Welcome to a special edition of Northern Business Leaders in association with the professional services firm Deloitte. This edition is being recorded in summer 2021 at Holt's Yard, which is a really great working space north of the River Tyne in Newcastle. Today we're going to talk about fintech in the northeastern Yorkshire. Recently this report was published. It's the Khalifa Review into UK fintech. It contains a five-point plan to grow the sector and take advantage of the UK's 10-year record of achievement. Among other things it says is that Leeds and Manchester represents an established large cluster of UK fintech that deserves further recognition and that the northeast is emerging as a specialist cluster in banking, payments and wealth tech. I'm joined by people who understand and can tell us more, including fintech specialist Chris Wildsmith, a partner at Deloitte in Yorkshire in the Northeast, Peter Bould, Head of Corporate Affairs at True Potential LLP, and Dawn Dunn, a fintech specialist at the industry cluster group Dynamo. Well, we've moved inside Holt's Yard, very trendy, nice space, bare brick, or refurbished lots of great companies, many who are in the fintech sector and are interested in this report, the Khalifa Review into Fintech. Chris Wildsmith, you're a partner at Deloitte. Now, this report says of fintech, it's not a niche of financial services, nor a subsector, but a permanent technological revolution about the way we do finance. What would you define as a fintech business? I think fintech's quite a broad church really so you know if you cast your mind back five six seven years I think a lot of businesses were technology enabled delivering financial services I think what the Khalifa review recognizes is that there's been a fundamental change in the way that financial services are being delivered and also a proliferation of businesses that um, provide services into the value chain using technology as an advantage and I think it's that fundamental shift in the way that technology is being used and placing it at the heart of financial service product delivery and processes that is the really exciting thing about fintech at the moment. And I explained that the north of England is actually at the heart of fintech. It's really rising in this region. Uh, absolutely. I, I mean, I think there are a number of established businesses alongside the scale-ups that are coming out of the um, the, the Newcastle-Durham cluster. Um, the Khalifa Review recognises the, the emergence of that cluster as being you know, one of the, the major um, themes, I guess, in, in, in the expansion of UK fintech. So the region's got a really strong position across the sector and there's some great businesses in there. Don, Don, you work with Dynamo, this fantastic industry group in the northeast. Tell us a little bit about Dynamo and what you think has made the northeast such a good cluster. Essentially Dynamo is a technology network firm. It deals with all different sectors but fintech was recognised as a real growth area several years ago and as we started to grow the cluster it became apparent that actually there was even more than we initially thought. And as Chris says, FinTech is a very broad church, so that encompasses, across our 160 members, it encompasses InsureTech, it, in, it includes mobile banking, it includes startups, but it also includes some real stalwarts like Sage, um, Newcastle Building Society, and their technology on Newcastle Strategic Solutions. Let's move on to a case study. Uh, Peter Bould, you're with True Potential. Look, before we get into the detail, I've got to hold this up for our viewers. Look at that graph. That is the growth of True Potential. Mm. What does True Potential do and what are its key numbers? Well, absolutely, Graham. I think actually what that graph shows is that in many ways we've just been quietly getting on with being a, a financial services technology-driven company since 2007, if you trace that graph back. So in many respects, the, the revolution that's happened in fintech and wealth tech has almost 
happened um, alongside us. I'd like to claim, of course, that we knew that there was this revolution coming, but we've just been getting on with our business for, for 14 years. But the numbers you're talking about, I mean, there are, there are three divisions to True Potential, for those who don't know. We've, we've sort of got our traditional advice department, which is about 800 advisors across the country. There's then a back office um, providing services to financial advisors, technology uh, back office services. And then we've got something called True Potential Investments, which is our um, platform and our funds. And if you take all of that together, that represents about 20% of all UK financial advisors. The numbers that you're looking at, uh, that we, we have about £60 billion of assets under our administration, oh, and £17 billion of those is on our own platform. Um, and of course, we're adding about an extra billion pound of assets coming in, people's savings and investments, about another billion pounds every two months. So, you know, we're, we're doing great and continuing to grow very, very fast. Okay, well, we'll come into a little bit more about what you do and some of those numbers in a few minutes. Chris, though, this uh, Khalifa review we've been talking yeah. about does make a lot of recommendations. Not going to talk about all of them, but let's just talk and touch on two recommendations, skills and connectivity. Uh, skills first. Um, because the report says that we might need to have new visas to import skills into the UK. Uh, that, of course, is one way of doing it, uh, but there's also training. Where do you see the skills requirement in the North East and Yorkshire? I think across all of the clusters, we have to recognise that we're doing something right. So, you know, the fact that we've got, you know, 10 established or emerging clusters across the UK and there are specialisms emerging within each of those clusters shows you that you're getting the critical mass of people, you're getting, this, you know, the right um, strength and breadth and in depth of people to support the entrepreneurs who've come up with the initial idea. Um, I, I do think, though, that when you're thinking about resourcing skills for the future, it needs a joined-up approach. So um, public sector, private sector needs to work with academia to make sure that the universities are producing graduates with the right skills to support the development of the local clusters. Um, the report talks about effectively a visa stream to bring um, uh, talent in from overseas. And again, I, I think when you're, when you're talking about making or, or maintaining the position of the UK as a global leader in fintech, it, it seems obvious to me that you want to bring in the best talent from overseas um, and you want people to bring their, relocate their businesses over here. That, that I think helps benefit the existing clusters in the way that they're, um, they're set up. But it's, it's that sort of um, virtuous circle, I think, of bringing in the right skills, getting people to move their businesses in and training people for the future that we really need to make, um, well, maintain the critical mass that we've got in FinTech. It also talks about co connectivity and nurturing these yep. uh, clusters. And also the creation of something that would help the connectivity, something that the report describes as the requirement of a, a Centre for Finance, Innovation and Technology, or CFIT. Um, do you think that that should be a proper established agency of government? Yes, I, I think, I, I think the, the opportunity we've got at the moment is, you know, when you look at the way each of the clusters are set up, there are varying different levels of collaboration, coordination, um, and uh, I suppose infrastructure in place. You know, there are national bodies like Innovate Finance, there are local bodies like Fintech North, all playing different roles and actually across each of the sectors um, it, there's quite a fragmented approach, there's, there's limited consistency in the roles that organisations are playing and, and many of them are funded by donations or sponsorship so it, I suppose it has lacked that national coordination. I think the, the benefit that an organisation like CFIT can provide to all of this is um, it can you know, monitor, maintain, help the clusters with their strategies for their own development. It can take learnings from best practice across each of the clusters and, and, and 
and share that for, for best practice mm. and benefit across the piece. But it does need it does need the right structure. It needs the right mandate. It needs the right people, and it will need the funding to have a meaningful impact on national fintech. And government does it in other areas. In the northeast of England, there's the driving electric revolution that is helping uh, vehicles, electric vehicle, uh, and that's coming out of Newcastle University, but around the country and funded by government. Let's look at uh, what you think on this, Dawn, from the industry perspective, Dynamo. Do you think that this CFIT idea, the Centre for Finance, Innovation and Technology, is a workable potential agency? And where should it be located? I, I think it's really important, and I think it's the I in the CFIT that is the most important factor. It's, it, innovation is at the very heart of fintech, and here in the northeast, it would be, in my view, a very good fit because we already had the National Innovation Centre for Data, we've got the National Innovation Centre for Ageing. I think if we could have a centre for financial technology in the northeast of England, it would be a very good fit because of the skills we've got here. We've got five fantastic universities. We've got a wealth of businesses who can mentor and take people under their wing to develop those skills because, as Chris rightly said, skills is really, really important. We need to have a strong agenda on that to make sure that we've got the workforce to keep up with the ideas and the innovation that's happening. Um, so I think the North East is well-placed well and I think Dynamo is very well-placed because that is actually what we do. We are at the centre of connecting the private sector, the public sector and academia so that they not only hold each other to account but they also give each other a leg up to make a, a really sound offering. And I suppose feed off ideas and that's, that's the sharing of ideas whilst you wouldn't want it to be on the basis of cartels or, or, or restrictions can also lift an industry. Uh, when I was looking at the data it suggested that in areas where there are clusters there are 25% more people employed and pay is 11% higher. You've got your own cluster, lots of people mm. work for you at True Potential. Mm. Do you think that that is true, where you have a cluster, you lever up the rest? Well, it can only be good for the, for the region and the sector as a whole if we've got this kind of investment um, and the kind of collaboration happening. I mean, it's, I guess from TP's point of view, we probably have almost got to where we are without that happening. And what we had to do a few years ago, we used to have, I mean, the universities are great and of course they, they produce great uh, candidates. But what we had, a, an issue we had a few years ago was that the, the students coming out of the universities, the language they'd learned to code in was not the language that we were using. Um, they were just a little bit behind the curve on that one. I think it's all sorted out now. But what we had to do by necessity was develop our own True Potential Academy where you could take people in who perhaps didn't have the skills um, and, and train them using the experts that we had on the job to to you know to be able to upskill themselves and actually we've broadened that out now so that covers development and IT it covers marketing it covers production uh, financial advice obviously um, but we've actually expanded that now so you can come into TP with absolutely zero experience at all or come in doing one job say on the reception and within 12 months you could be learning how to code and develop apps and doing that all in-house um, so that we know that the skills people are picking up are the ones that we actually need. So that, that flat things. structure with very little demarcation and yeah. an emphasis on innovation and yeah. creativity and collaboration, that's yeah. the modern way you see it going? Uh, completely, and, and as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we, we've completely redeveloped our head office, which was very, was very modern but traditional in the way that it was laid out, banks of desks and all the rest of it, but now completely rethought the purpose of a head office post-pandemic into much more open space for collaboration, idea sharing, video conferencing, um, gone are the banks of desks and now mm. much more open space and that's very much with this eye on you know, working with external partners and, and internally 
to get people thinking and idea sharing and then of course blending that with the skills to take ideas and, and develop them very quickly. And that's been validated. I noticed you've got a five-star rating from yeah. the FT and there's a, I explain more, digital process champion by a trade body. Well, absolutely. I mean, and this is all actually came about because of the pandemic. Of course, we went into March last year and whereas a lot of, I suppose, old, slightly more old-fashioned paper-based financial, we probably all had the issues dealing with banks and insurers where you just couldn't get through to people. And we had none of that because TP was founded in a, a very much a digital fashion in 2007. It was all what we call a digital first approach to, to the way we go about our business. So switching to remote working was no problem. We were able to bring forward ideas that were in the pipeline. Um, but the net result was that we had no interruption in service. We could provide, actually, we, we fast-tracked ideas for our financial advisors and clients. And yes, you're quite right, that resulted in us sort of being named a digital process champion. You know, we had very little... Um, we, we have very little paper-based processing. I mean, there is still a bit of that because some clients like to send a check in the post to be invested into their pensioner ISA. So you've got to have the capability. But of course now most people would do everything on their phone and their iPad. There's some data I picked up from your business about the digital transactions yeah. from that point of view. Uh, uh, there were nearly 200,000 uh, processed online. But what was interesting is that your clients logged in 3.6 million times over a year just to mm -hmm. look at their investments. That's it. I mean, interestingly, the concept of true potential, if I go back to 2005, two years before we were even founded, the, the founder's idea was that you'd be watching, say, Channel 4 News or BBC News mm -hmm. on the television, and alongside it, you'd be able to split the screen, and you'd have, on the one hand, the news broadcaster telling you how the markets have done or how some event has moved markets, and simultaneously, you could pull up your portfolio and see how, you, how your portfolio was affected. The only thing that didn't happen was it wasn't through television because, of course, the iPhone mm. came along a couple of years later, then the iPad. Yeah. But the concept is still the same, that you can log in on the go, check how your portfolio is doing, make some adjustments. Your advisor's got full oversight of that. They can be providing that digital that advice without having to come to your house. Mm. And it's all 24-7 as you want it, which is very different from a statement in the post once a year. Absolutely. Chris, you've heard the potential as described by true potential. That's how it could be. But, of course, it needs... Uh, money and it needs nurturing and this report talks about how the financial uh, conduct authority has had a sandbox approach i'll ask you to explain that and wants to go to scale a scale box approach and it also talks about expanding eis so let's talk about that how can the financial regulators help to make the uh, investments for uh, for people starting and generating these businesses easier um, well, I suppose if we start with the sandbox idea, I mean, I think that's been a real success story of the way that UK um, regulation has evolved for the fintech sector. So, you know, the, the rule books around operating as an FCA regulated business are complex. Um, there, there's immense amounts of detail and, and people need a lot of advice generally to, to navigate their way through that. And I think that can be quite off-putting for entrepreneurial businesses um, and, you know, in extremis, if, if business models are set up without uh, regulatory compliance at the heart, it can store up problems. Um, with, with quite significant financial bills attached for, for the future. The idea around the sandbox was a much more collaborative, safe place for um, early stage fintechs to effectively test and develop their business model um, in collaboration with the regulator. I think what the Khalifa Review recognises is that as those businesses get bigger, it is desirable for that, that principle to be extended and the idea around the scale box is that it removes the time limits that sit with the sandbox yeah. idea and, and, and I guess it's a it's a tool around enablement for for scaling up taking the barriers and complexity away and then I suppose think thinking about that in the second part of your question 
clearly development and growth finance has been a fundamental challenge for many many scale businesses whether they're of a fintech nature or not um, for me it, it, the access to advice and the access to finance are probably the two biggest obstacles to getting a, a business to scale um, I think it is relatively common for early stage businesses to be going through endless rounds of um, seed and series funding and it can be a full-time job for many people in the business um, these are pre-revenue pre-profit businesses in many cases they probably don't have the financial resources or team size to be able to navigate that and that inevitably means that some businesses will will fail before they've got to fulfill their potential so I think ideas around um, you know, getting easier access to angel VCT EIS funding um, is is really important um, similarly, enhanced R&D tax credits have a role to play. I think there's a bigger challenge, though, around how we um, get businesses access more easily to broader levels of, of growth funding. And I, I'm not sure the recommendations necessarily address that. Um, I guess to provide a parallel, um, the, the government is setting up the National Infrastructure Bank um, headquartered out of Leeds. And that will, that, the role of that organisation will be to provide funding for you know, green projects, um, net zero uh, pathway initiatives that maybe can't get commercial funding, I'd like to see something similar rolled out to help the early stage uh, fintech businesses equally get access to funding and support their um, so. development of viability. Dawn, let's just talk about the North East. You heard Chris there allude to the National Infrastructure Bank in Leeds. I think Leeds and, and Manchester have got their own uh, critical mass, really, when it comes to financial uh, services, particularly in Leeds. But in the northeast, sometimes we've got to shout a bit to get our uh, get our message across. And with Dynamo, you've got a few really great case studies. You've heard about True Potential, but what about Atom Bank, which is specifically named in this report from Khalifa? Absolutely, and Atom was the first mobile-only bank, which is a nice little feather in our cap. And that has evolved over the years to where it is now. Um, as a bank that would pride themselves on a superb customer experience. They've kept their costs low all the way and they've now actually migrated their technology estate so they've got some really cutting edge technology in there. And I think that one of the examples of that is something that Chris alluded to there. The, it's the agile approach but being able to operate within a regulatory framework fintechs because they need to be regulated because this is so important you can't kind of pop them out overnight so the regulator having a more agile approach and allowing them to innovate within that regulation i think is very important and we've seen atom go on that journey and take their customers with it and that's a, a real beacon of success in the northeast and Dawn, I'm going to give you the last word because you have this industry group Dynamo which goes beyond fintech and it, I, I've got it right, you've got several hundred members and they employ several thousand people. Tell, talk to me a little bit about Dynamo and what you see as the Northeast's key digital attributes. Uh, well, Dynamo founded what Fintech North recognised as having the only Fintech cluster in the Northeast when they started looking around and seeing what was already there. And they came to the Northeast and they said, this is fantastic. You've already got something here that we can work with. And they operate on a national scale. I think one of the important things about the Northeast and where it is actually, we're in a very significant talent and business corridor between Manchester and Edinburgh both great centres of, of financial technology um, alongside Leeds, which has always been a strong financial centre. Um, but what Dynamo did was bring together the North and be able to sell that message, not only to the audience in the North, who often are so busy with their heads down, working on what they've got, um, that they don't recognise what's outside, but also to take that message wider. Dynamo, as you pointed out, is 
an organisation for the larger technology sector. So we not only have fintech, but we've also got clusters in artificial intelligence, in data, which again underwrites and is the, the fuel for the whole financial technology cluster. And we've got a really strong sector in healthcare and health tech. And we've got in the northeast again, you know, national national business services authority. We've got lots of other health tech businesses that are also members of Dynamo. Well, Dawn, Peter, Chris, thank you for joining us. And thank you for joining us on Northern Business Leaders in association with the professional services firm Deloitte.